1: DeBianco.
0: 66 million years ago, an asteroid smashed into the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico and rocked the world. It released 420 Zjoules of energy. That's 2 million times more powerful than the largest nuclear bomb ever exploded. Volcanic eruptions swallowed the Earth. The sun disappeared for 10 years. When life resumed, the dinosaur, the Earth's dominant creature, was never seen again. Right now, another asteroid is striking the Earth. It's called exponential technology. It's doubling in power at lightning speed. Those who embrace it will thrive. Those who don't will join the dinosaur. Hello, storytellers, and welcome to another opportunity to expand and enrich your world. One of the ways that you can definitely accelerate your growth is by choosing to read more wonderful books. And our sponsor, Audible, offers you a free downloadable audiobook of your choice. You choose from more than 180,000 titles, you get to keep it. And you also get an entire month free of all of Audible service. Go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power and choose a form of audio empowerment today. I really value your presence here, your loyalty by listening to this show again and again. And I'm going to ask you for a favor. Go to iTunes and leave a rating and a review for this show. One of the easiest ways to do it is to leave a comment about your biggest takeaway from today's episode. And that will help the show to gain more visibility. Then more and more people can have the opportunity like you. To enrich their lives. Thank you in advance for doing that. Today's guests are two people who threw their arms around this asteroid in 2014 when they transformed their print magazine into a digital format in order to reach an exponential worldwide market at a fraction of the time and cost. They streamlined their physical business into a digital one, offering information products and online courses. It evolved into Transformation Academy that teaches entrepreneurs how to monetize their passion and live life on their own terms. They've created more than 75 online courses and have impacted over 100,000 students from 191 countries. Storytellers, I'm doing something now that I don't normally do. I've just recorded this short segment After I already edited the entire podcast because I went an hour ago to the website that our guests have created just for the listeners of this show. And I enrolled in one of their courses that is absolutely amazing that will teach you how to take any one of your passions, anything that you love to do, And turn it into a course that you can monetize and turn into a stream of ongoing residual income. And I mean absolutely anything that you love to do. This is, and when you see the offer, it's going to blow your mind. So if you want to jumpstart and go there even before you listen to the episode, uh, check it out. And the site is www.onlinecourserevolution.com forward slash change. You must put in the forward slash change because that offer is for you, the listener, to change your story, change your life. As I said, I just joined them. I became one of their students. Um, I'm really excited about this. If you've been thinking at all about how can I make money with any knowledge that I have, check it out. And do listen to this episode because when you get to see and hear and feel who they are, I think you're going to be absolutely two feet off the ground excited. Get ready for some exponential learning and inspiration from Natalie and Joel Rivera. Natalie and Joel, welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life.
2: Thank you, thank you. We're truly honored uh, to be here with you today, Louis. And uh, first of all, we just want to start by saying thank you. Uh, thank you for what you do. Uh, we are true believers that if we all have a story that we tell ourselves and that if we can reflect on that story and we can change that story, we can truly change our lives.
1: And we love that you started out this conversation going at the exponentials because we are passionate about helping people understand that collectively we're creating the story of humanity's future and we're happy to be part of that.
0: I get that. I mean, that's why I invited you onto the show because this is the, the shift that's happening in the world right now and a lot of people are not conscious of it. They're just living in chaos, blindness, and fear. (laughs) With that happy note.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And and, and the way we see it is that there's so much opportunity. uh, Oh, yeah. Absolutely. In this new economy. And if people were uh, willing to take a look at it, they could see that they can really transform their lives exponentially.
1: Yeah, I like to call it showing people the promised land because a lot of people look at these changes that are rapidly coming upon us And they're afraid and they only look at the disruptive factor, but they don't look at the opportunity and we can see how amazing this is for humanity at so many levels. So we're just always excited to tell people what's possible, help them change the way that they think about themselves and their lives and whatever form that takes, we are 100% behind anyone who's looking to transform and make their life or this world a better place.
0: Are you guys part of Abundance 360 community?
1: We're not members, but we do follow their world, so we're constantly um, checking in on what Peter Diamantis and everyone in his circle are up to.
0: Good, so you've read Bold.
1: Yes, yes, yeah, we absolutely. love
0: it. Of course, I mean, it's it's the uh, rallying cry for this whole movement, I believe. So, uh, briefly, where are you? Well, you kind of told me off, Mike, but uh, once again, Natalie, you're from New Hampshire, you said.
1: Yes, I escaped the cold in 2004, right before hurricane season, and the hurricanes did not scare me away to send me back, so I'm still here.
0: <laughs> and here is in Florida.
1: Yes. Good.
0: And, uh, Joelle, you are from Puerto Rico.
2: Yes, originally from Puerto Rico. Uh, I live many different places in the United States, but after my brother ended up passing away when I was just leaving college, uh, starting college... I ended up moving to Florida and uh, I haven't left since so.
0: And I I I gather you both love it there.
2: <laughs>
0: oh so, uh,
1: yeah. it's, it's magical. <laughs> yes. I've been so af- this is,
2: go ahead. Yeah. Now I was gonna say this is really our home base. Um uh, we, we love it here. I think that we've attracted what we really wanted to live on a day by day basis and uh we love the community that we're part of and uh this is home.
1: Yeah, and we live at the beach and take walks in the powdery white sand every day, so you truly can't complain.
0: (laughs) Just now, you know how many people you've made very angry? (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) I like that, though. I like making them angry.
2: (laughs) Well, the reason being is because we want people to know that they can create whatever reality they want.
0: I believe that. I want to know briefly how you guys met. I know you could probably do a whole podcast on that, but let's... Let's do the um, the laser focused version of how you met.
2: Okay. Uh, so what happened was that I had lost my brother, and t- I, I said at that point that ten year, and you know, I was going to create this counseling center to help youth, um, and I opened it up ten years later, and I had family emergency, so I had to leave like six weeks after I'd opened it, set up some contracts, and I put something out. Uh, on Craigslist to see if somebody could take over my position of the center I had opened. And Natalie responded to that. And we probably talked for like five minutes, and then she ended up taking over my my position and being partners with my business partner at the time.
1: Yeah, and so we met very briefly when ultimately I took over his business. So we like to joke that we started the same business but not at the same time. And then it was a couple years later um, that he actually just contacted me and my business partner, which was his former business partner, uh, just to kind of see what we were up to. And we had implemented some contracts that he had gotten started with uh, the Sheriff's Department and the Prosecution Alternatives for Youth because it was a a youth center. And he wanted to see how his baby was doing and came in and connected in in that interim period. um, Within that two years, Uh, we had both left our former relationships and were newly single, and we met each other for the second time and said, hmm, this is very interesting. We share the same the same passions and vision uh, in life. And so everything kind of took off from there.
2: And it's interesting because I told my business partner, um, my former business partner, after spending some time with Natalie, like 20 minutes, I said, I'm going to marry her. <laughs> <laughs> and ever since then, we were inseparable. Best really. friends. So, yep.
0: Well, I, I love it because it reinforces my belief that um, there are no accidents. Um, when we are vibrating at a certain level, we're going to attract a certain people, certain events, certain circumstances, etc. And the meanings may not be revealed immediately. You know, That's what's interesting.
2: Well, I fully agree. I feel like uh, life is happening for us, and if we can have the the right vision right intention like you said the right vibration is that we attract those things that we want to create and if we're really truly open to to embracing life uh, those opportunities will come
1: yeah including some of the the negative experiences or that we might label negative because we've we've manifested some amazing things that just came out of nowhere that no one would possibly believe but we've also manifested some what people would say are terrible experiences, but those terrible experiences, in hindsight, were always the ones that were the biggest catalyst for the change that we really deeply wanted. So uh, we just really have a perspective of life, like Joel said, that life is happening for us, not to us, and we're constantly, immediately looking for the silver lining as soon as something happens, because we've learned so many times over and over again that there always is a bigger picture going on.
0: Do you know that... Just, I wasn't. i just going to go here. It's a, it's a tangent, but it's related. Um, do you? Are you? Familiar, do you like Shakespeare's work?
1: Um, I would say I have an appreciation for it, but we don't exactly. It's okay. listen to it or read it, so not highly familiar.
0: May may I share a a, a Shakespeare insight here? Because it really app- yep. He wrote. One of his last plays was called The Tempest. And it's fascinating to me because the central character is a white magician. His name is Prospero. And these people who were in his life before are on a ship and they have a shipwreck. And they get sent. I mean, they, each of them is in a different part of the ocean. They all think everybody else is drowned. And they show up on an island and gradually, they don't know, but Prospero is leading them. He's, he has a force that's bringing them together near him where he's going to explain what happened. And by the end of it, you realize that the message of it is that no matter how crazy, chaotic, and dangerous, and it seems like the end of the world life becomes, there's a bigger purpose above it. That's driving it, and that's actually leading you, if you have the courage to stay in and figure it out and find out.
2: Well, and I love it because I think that that is the human experience.
0: No kidding. But yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, you really, you really nailed it. Actually, I remember reading that one in high school.
0: Oh, it's someday one of, on my bucket list is I will direct that play. I will do my version of it, but that's. So I wonder who was you for each of you, who influenced you the most when you were kids?
2: I would say for me it was my father, um and really my, my family and the reason being is that he grew up in the mountains of Puerto Rico looking at airplanes, thinking that they were aliens, uh really native, without electricity, without running water, and they were able to leave that mountain and a lot of them, for example, my father ended up going to uh, university in the United States and and all of them ended up doing something that they wanted to do in their lives and exploring the world and doing these things and for me it was always like if they could do it I can do it you know and uh, it was that foundation that regardless of what happened all the negative things that you know all the things that I would hear challenges that they had how they were able to reframe them and use them for something positive so every time I had something in my life happen I would always look back at them and say if they can take something like that, and create their own reality of what they wanted to do, then there's no excuse for me not to do the same.
0: Beautiful. That's beautiful. How about you, Natalie?
1: And so, interestingly, I would say it's not necessarily a specific person, um, but I would definitely have to say that my mom's parents had a very deep impact on me, partially because they had a deep impact on her um, as far as my revolutionary spirit and my deep desire to stand up for what I believe in and for other people, my, my helping nature, because uh, my grandparents participated in the Civil Rights Movement. And when they said they participated in it, not only did my grandfather participate in the March on Washington, but they actually were... One of the first 500 families to move into a community in Maryland called Columbia that was actually designed for the purpose of bringing people together from diverse backgrounds, whether it's different races, religions, economic status, all in one community together. Um, And it was quite revolutionary at its time, and they were uh, there, you know, ultimately right from the beginning. That's where my mom grew up, um, and then they took it a step further and adopted two African-American children. And so my mom grew up in a blended family, and th- their revolutionary spirit and their commitment to those ideals really formed the foundation of my belief system and also my, my deep-seated desire to help people and to make the world a better place and to teach people that they c- can make an influence in the world. Um, and so I think just in general, I picked up that, that really broad belief system and, um, you know, growing up in diversity, whether it's, you know, racial diversity, religious diversity, it's um, just, I'm, I'm here to serve all people of all kinds.
0: Hmm. I hear it. I hear the passion in your voice and the clarity in your message. It's wonderful.
1: I, if I could, I just want to
2: add too, because uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to leave someone behind, but I think my mother was such a key role also. You know, she grew up in an orphanage. And uh, yet, I saw her transformation and her own development and her entrepreneurial spirit um, she owned a health food store and she would do all these things to, to, to really give back to the community. So she also instills so much in me. So I'm, I'm just grateful to have and be blessed with a father and, and a mother the way I was. So
0: Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Now, did each of you have a childhood dream of who you wanted to be as an adult?
1: Well, um, it's kind of funny. I would say I wouldn't necessarily have realized it was my dream at the time, but I think everyone else noticed uh, my parents used to joke around and you know say we should do a campaign, Natalie for president uh, because i I had a tendency to be very opinionated even when I was very young and um kind of get up on my soapbox because I really I was an idealist, and I believed that the world should be better than it is, and that humans were. At their core better than they behaved and i was always very much you know following in the footsteps of my lineage as i pointed out um and so i always knew i wanted to influence um but as fate would have it i had a deep-seated fear of speaking in front of people like most Um, i didn't like being the center of the attention i am a, a a rabid introvert and so even though i had these these strong desires to make an impact um, at a personal level, I was terrified of that. Um, and so it, it took me really having to face myself and realize that I knew I had a greater purpose, and I knew that I needed to make an impact. And in order to do that, it meant I had to step outside of those those fears and limitations I had in myself. And so I ultimately had to change my story. Um, and I did. And then it, you know, led to me speaking and running programs and, and teaching, not in a traditional sense, but that Truly, that is um, that is the path that I was meant to be on, and I had to change who I who believed I was in order to fulfill it.
0: Fantastic. And how about you, Joel? Jo- did you have a childhood dream, you want to be this?
1: Well,
2: part of my childhood dream was to be a zoologist. Uh, I wanted to be in the mountains and the jungles, just exploring and, and doing some of those things. But at the same time, I really had a passion for understanding humanity, and I think that also came, I was hit by a car when I was really young and um, I was lucky to have made it. So my parents always grew up saying, you know, you had a second chance of life is because you're meant to do something. But I used to always, even when I would go out as a team with my friends, they would be hanging out, you know, partying, having a good time. And I'd be sitting with the homeless population, just trying to understand their life journey and their story. I was always so intrigued by uh understanding just people's story and what got them there. And and for me, my bigger vision was to, to find a way to impact people's lives. I didn't know what that would look like. And after going to my first year of college to be a zoologist, I failed my first year of college. Um, I was kind of lost for a while, but I still had that vision that I was meant to do something. I just didn't know what as far as just helping and contributing to the life of other people. And I think that once my brother passed away in a car accident, it really solidified uh, my vision of just wanting to impact people and their story that like for the story that i had told myself at the time that i was a failure that i wasn't smart enough that i wasn't good enough and that really drove me uh, to change my perspective about myself and really what my purpose was in life.
0: Great. I love I love both of those. By the way, before i forget for Natalie, i have another book for you. It's called Quiet. Quiet.
1: Actually, yeah. i think i um Yeah, we met someone recently that was telling us about it, and we were having this deep conversation about uh, being introverts, because we both are, but it's so funny, because, you know, we get up on stages where we, you know, we have hundreds of hours of video content where we're standing in front of a video camera talking to people, and when we go out and about, we seem very high energy and engaged, and most people would not expect that we're introverts. But um, yeah, I've been, I've heard the, the sign several times that I should be checking out that book. So thank you yeah, for
0: that. It's by a woman. Yeah, she, uh, it's quite interesting. And this whole question of introvert is interesting. I know mean, a lot of people don't know that Robert De Niro is an introvert. Uh, I mean, it's extreme. I mean, uh, one of the big casting directors, Michael Shurtleff, said, when you go to a party, if you want to find De Niro, look for the person who's staring at the wall. <laughs> okay. yeah these social situations are not his forte. You notice he doesn't do interviews very rarely does interviews right that's uh, a very interesting thing so what how did you choose a print magazine business?
2: Well, it chose us um and the way it happened was that at the time I was a full time psychology professor. I had the opportunity to go for tenure, which meant that I could not get fired, but we decided to really focus our energy on our business, so we took a sabbatical. We went to Puerto Rico for like a month. Uh, we came back from Puerto Rico trying to figure out what we wanted to do when we grew up because we felt like we were at that point of our lives, whether it was now or never, you know, to follow our dreams, and we went to a laughter yoga class uh, because we're interested in doing laughter yoga with other people as well. And somebody said, wouldn't it be great to have a, a personal development spiritual magazine that ran through the Suncoast region? And we both looked at each other, and we had a knowing that that was our calling at that time. So we went back and just focused our energy, and we contacted over 600 businesses in the first month, just had this vision. And in six weeks, we had over 7,000 magazines in the community. Uh, and we call it being hijacked you know when you're on purpose and when you allow that to happen it's almost like everything just unfolds we you just trust we were to the point that we had no money to really launch this magazine and all of a sudden like it was just people would call us and say i li- love your vision i want to uh pay for an ad for you know the next 3 months right at the deadline where we needed it right before print time the next day we have to pay that money and we didn't know how it would happen but we trusted and
1: uh we moved by faith, and everything just aligned. Well, and what was really interesting about it is that when we had come back from this little sabbatical we took, we didn't even know where in the, the region on the west coast of Florida that we wanted to live. So we were actually, at the time when we started this magazine, we were living in an extended-stay motel. Um, and we were we were just so open. And ultimately what it came down to is because we had you know, both turned down high-paying jobs, it was like we just had such a strong sense of... What we needed to do was, as entrepreneurs, and that we had to embrace that uncertainty, uh, which actually I you know i was I was uh, listening to one of your recent podcasts, and that was the topic is that uncertainty is ultimately what opens up the gate to opportunity, and we we just knew it with every fiber of our being. And so we had to make that commitment to we're either going to go all in or we're going to have to submit to the rat race, which um, we had already ultimately escaped. So we're like, we're not going back no matter what we have to do. And what's funny is we started a print magazine. It was like, you know, the kind that you can get at the local. For us, it was health food stores. It was holistic. like a, yeah, holistic focus. Um but just a free magazine so it's paid for by advertisers uh, but we, we started it in the middle of the recession and also when the, the print magazine and newspaper industry was crumbling so everybody thought we were completely insane for doing it uh, but it just felt like it was the right, the right thing for us it's the community needed it we had people all the time telling us I've been, I've been waiting for someone to do this i've been praying for someone to do this because they, they wanted to be able to connect to each other and find resources for this alternative sort of lifestyle and, and you know personal development and there wasn't anything that really met that need and then it ended up we ended up closing it several years later uh, because we had transitioned to being online so it was like a catalyst that just put us on the right path towards everything else that unfolded after the fact
0: It's beautiful. Um- Reminds me of what Les Brown says, you know, Les Brown, this motivational speaker, um, he has this wonderful expression, the how is none of your business, and that's what you guys did, you didn't know how it was going to happen, but you, like you said, Joelle, I reacted in faith, and that's the principle, like you said, Natalie, about embracing the uncertainty, the how is none of your business. What made you decide to go digital with your business?
2: Um, There are a couple of factors, but I do want to add something about what you said about Les Brown. Um, If you're not familiar with Les Brown and you're listening, I I highly suggest uh, he was uh, a vital part of my life when I was bedridden for a year. And uh, just listening to him and some of his insights really impacted me. Um, With that said, uh, some of the things that really helped us transform to digital is because we also realized that you know, we're one, the physical magazine, it was like where well, we're printing all these magazines and it wasn't in alignment with what we wanted to do because obviously even though we were using uh, recycled paper, we felt like it was still not in alignment with our alternative
1: Yeah, our ecological <laughs> philosophies of life. <laughs> yeah.
2: And and part of it was too is that we saw this happening, this movement into digital. And for one reason one night I was doing research just, and I heard about Amazon starting a digital uh, publishing house where they would like, house their magazines. And I didn't know anything about coding. And I literally stayed up for almost two days just trying to figure out how to code this page the way that Amazon wanted it for us to be featured in Amazon. And, uh, in the it, Kindle. In the Kindle. And, I, again, it was like this hijacked moment where I was just in flow. I just put every sense of my being. I knew that this is what I needed to do. And uh, it just we were in there in the right time. And then it just kind
1: of, it blew up and and it just helped us push into this digital format. Yeah, and we started to get subscribers through Amazon. And so we were going, hmm, this is interesting because we're, we're reaching people beyond our local market. And that was also one of the big driving forces. As soon as we saw that we could have people subscribing to our magazine from all over the world, at that point we were hooked because the entire purpose of our business, regardless of what different, format we were offering who we are through, which we've we've probably tried a dozen different ways, um, was always about reaching a broader audience because we feel like people need to hear our message, uh, our message about life purpose and about the, the fact that they have a choice of how they live and that they can master the power of their mind to create the reality and da-da, da-da, da-da. So, we just wanted more people to hear our message and also at the time we had a magazine so it's all these other writers we want to help their word be spread around the world so as soon as we had that seed planted that this was possible and people were actually subscribing to a digital magazine and not to mention the fact that people would subscribe and they'd pay for it and then the next month we'd get a paycheck and we didn't have to do anything we didn't have to print anything so it just kind of showed us that there was also income potential in the digital world
0: Mm, -hmm. massive. This is wonderful. And of course, the most important thing that drove you was the recognition that, wow, now instead of reaching a thousand, we can reach a million. Exactly. So so it's, it's just beautiful. Now in 2015, this dream almost crashed and burned. You want to talk about that?
2: Yes, we went to Costa Rica. Um, and at the time we would consider ourselves explorers. Uh, so we went into oh, the, adventurers, adventurers. So we went into the jungles of Costa Rica and stayed and we were, you know, I would see a river, I would jump in it, I would see a fruit, clean it on my shirt and eat it. Uh, came back and three weeks later, uh, it ex- my blood pressure exploded. I could n- not stop shaking uncontrollably, waking up in the middle of the night. Um, and then I, I figured it was just some bug and I went back to sleep an hour later. It happened again. And I went back to sleep. An hour later, it happened again. And then several months later, it was still happening. And that was happening during the day. My body deteriorated. I lost over 30 pounds. I could no longer really swallow. So I was had to eat baby food. And my, bo- my blood pressure was all over the place. And my heart rate was all over the place. My body was shutting down. And doctors could not figure out what was happening. So for a year, I was basically bedridden. And, and Natalie was my full-time caretaker. So at the time, we had five different businesses
1: and everything really started to collapse around us. And so, like he points out, we had five different businesses, and all of them really um, required a lot of our time and attention. So we were speakers and coaches, and we had a book publishing company, and we had our magazine, and we held big conferences and festivals, and um, we actually had just recently... Uh, luckily, had already closed a, or not closed, but um, left in the hands of our business partners a a physical center, a holistic office center that we also owned. Um, and so as Joel continued to get worse, we had less and less time. He required around-the-clock care. And ultimately, there was nothing else that mattered other than um, keeping him sustained. So slowly, he stopped doing everything and there was only one little piece of our business that i was able to maintain on my own and that was our magazine the digital magazine um because we had recently gone green and officially only offered the digital version so that was several months before which again the timing of it was uh quite divine and so this digital magazine it only took me a couple days out of the month Um, I'm my, because my original career was marketing and design, I've always been our graphic designer. And so I was the one who did the layout of the magazine. And we had a few staff members that did sales and other functions, but it was something very easy to keep going. And other than the couple days a week that it took me to produce it, um, there was really no effort involved. And so here we were receiving a paycheck every month from this magazine, um, because it was ultimately residual income with very little work. And, it was the only income that we were able to continue to receive from our businesses and so we were it wasn't actually enough by the way we it was we were definitely in the the red every month but somehow miraculously um the most bizarre ways of receiving income or even items that we could sell for income would come to our lives so we were always taken care of every month but th- but without that foundation we would have ultimately you know lost our home ended up in bankruptcy, Um, and so we we received the loud and clear message about passive income, residual income, and how important it is because it literally saved our lives.
0: Oh, yeah. I get it. I mean, uh, I met many, many people that uh, understand residual income at that level of, yeah, it saved their lives. That's powerful. Now, How did that scary event help you to grow eventually and to actually thrive?
2: Well, I would first say that from the outside world, it was a terrifying, horrific situation. But for us, it was a story that we told ourselves about the situation. We decided to reframe and call it a sabbatical. So what we did was that we put pictures on our ceilings of everything that we would do once I got better, on our walls, you know, So it was, and we would go on dates, we would hold hands and like visualize ourselves experiencing this and and really feeling it. We would laugh, we would have these conversations, even though I couldn't get out of the bed um, and it didn't seem ever possible, but it was almost like we created that space and we really deep dive into learning about online course. At the time, we had also published an online course before I got sick, and we had some passive income from that, and we're like, we need to create more of that, and we also need to, I was thinking to myself, listening to uh, Les Brown, it's like, what is my legacy? What if I died today? You know, what do I leave behind? You know, I spent 10 years of my life studying and uh, trying to contribute to the life of others, but all that dies with me, you know, and I wanted to leave a legacy. So for me, video recording... The knowledge that I had learned was that way of contributing and making a difference and the same time making passive income. So we really dove into that and as I got better, we started recording like a video here or there and then I would go back in fetal position for the rest of the day, but it kind of snowballed as I continued to improve after a year, they found some antibiotics that worked. And it slowly started to snowball and we started to see feedback, started to see people enrolling
1: and creating that passive income. And so before he got sick, like I had mentioned, uh, a lot of what we were doing was speaking and we held a lot of workshops um, and we were doing a lot of writing. And so we had all of this content and we could no longer hold our workshops. We also um, have a life coaching background and we used to train coaches and we couldn't hold those trainings anymore anymore. We couldn't coach our clients anymore. And so we realized because of Joel's time he had on his hands that he deep dove into learning more about, okay, how does this online course thing really work? Um, it's like, we have a lot of content we're sitting on. Why don't we turn it into a course? And so all of that material came from everything we were already doing. Um, and over that next year, after he um, finally got some antibiotics that kind of pushed his body in the right direction, Um, he was extremely weak. He'd lost all of his muscle mass. Um, he couldn't digest food properly. So it took a whole other year to really get his body back on track, but he was doing well enough that we were able to record ourselves, um, doing the same content, teaching our workshops, but in a video format. And like you said, it's like we, we put some courses out there and they started to sell and we're saying, wow, this, this works. This is pretty cool, and so we just kept going through the treasure trove of content we already had and continuing to make courses and courses. I think in that in that first year, we probably made ten courses or so, um, and we just kept putting out the content, and it was wonderful because all of a sudden we're reaching people again all over the world. We're having we're getting feedback from people that live on the other side of the world talking about how our content changed their lives, and it. Again, was that affirmation on both on both fronts. one that that the message is going through loud and clear and there's people all over the world that need to hear it and are, are you know bringing into their lives and using it. and then at the same time, it was also that confirmation that passive income is possible and that if we focus on on creating this these courses every time we create one months and months later, they're still selling. Um, and so we, we, we all actually got to a point where we realized that co- courses are sort of like real estate, where instead of investing money in buying a property that you're going to rent out and you might get some passive income from it, that we could create a course. And that course would <coughs> ultimately create the same type of income, um, but without having the financial investment, which at the time was fantastic because of the situation where we started from. Um, and so we were hooked, and we just continued to uh, plug away at it, and we haven't looked back since.
0: I love it. And can you uh, enlighten our listeners with this? Um, how did you get in front of the people that would eventually buy your courses? Because we know people can have great content, but if it's not found, it ain't going to
2: sell. Well, what we did is that we went to places where our market was already at. So, one, we started putting it in marketplaces like Udemy and uh, other marketplaces. I think Udemy is probably the biggest one at the time, and it still is. And then we started also creating our own platform, and we started going to forums and, and chats and different places and groups that were resonating with the kind of information that we had, that we're already looking for it. So we would give feedback, discuss it, share video. Um, so one advice I would give to everyone is that go in front of the audience, That you're looking for wherever that might be and for us you know udemy played a vital role in that because they already had our audience to a certain degree so they were able to find it but again we also did a lot of legwork where we went into like chat rooms groups and different places where people were already looking for that information
1: and it's actually something that um we teach because a lot of the content we create is for entrepreneurs and we've always 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 relied on atypical marketing strategies um, it doesn't mean that we don't do traditional advertising or marketing of any kind but what has ultimately worked and especially for the courses but with everything we've ever done has been find either a person or a company or an organization of some sort or even um, a location that already has the people that you want to be working with that are your ideal clients, and go there. So go. what we used to do before Joel got sick is we would speak in front of the audiences that were the ideal clients for, whether it's our coaching packages or our other workshops um, or whatever it is that we were selling at the time. So we would speak in front of them. That's one of the best possible ways of getting in front of the right, right audience. But we could no longer do that, and so we had to find groups of people online and what's amazing is that if you know who your target audience is it's actually quite easy to determine where are they already doing business who are they already following what types of online groups or forums are they already in or in the local market are they part of an association are they part of a group do they tend to go to a certain store there's so many ways that you can connect to them and that that has been the secret to success for us always but especially with courses is knowing your market and going directly to where they are and add value to their life. Right, I'm just
0: going to say yes. I just, you don't just go there and start pitching. You go there and, not, <laughs> and you you go there first and give value, correct?
2: Yes. Yes, and I think that the biggest difference for us is that we're not driven by money. We're driven by legacy and contribution. And I think that if you approach life that way, and I'm not saying money isn't important, and, and money comes, and obviously you should have a vision of what you want to attract to your life and what you want to create, but I think that contribution comes first, and if you focus on giving value to other people and blessing the community, the community will bless you back, because I think that is it's an exchange of energy.
0: Oh, I agree. Absolutely. That is that is quite wonderful. And when you started telling your story, Joel, about um, getting sick and reframing that while you were ill, what I was going to say to the listeners is we've just experienced what Alex Mandozian likes to call a backpack moment. And what that is, is you get an aha, you hear something that basically you could put your backpack on and leave this event right now, and you would have gotten your money's worth. Because remember, what we're learning is about Changing your story to change your life. So he was lying in bed, and he was very sick. He could have just focused on, oh, my God, I'm going to die. That would have been his story. He didn't. This is powerful. Thank you, uh, Lewis. You ever heard that before? Backpack moment?
1: Only from you. (laughs) I heard you mention it in other episodes, so...
0: (laughs) I learned it live at at one of Alex Mendozian's events. He actually told us at the beginning. He said, whenever you get a backpack moment, raise your hand. And people would just do it. We just had a backpack moment. It's fantastic. And it's just like, wow, that's it. That's I don't even have to stay anymore. Good if be, you know.
1: It's like, okay, now you can go home. <laughs>
0: so now, if you guys are multitasking, you want to go play a video game? Go ahead, you know. You're going to miss the rest <laughs> of these gems. Yeah, here, <laughs> but uh, you know, we're still going to be here a little bit, you know. <laughs> so,
2: what I think that's so vital um, for you to be able because the same thing happened. For example, when my brother passed away. Um, it was such an impactful part of my life. I had failed college at the time. And I said, what purpose do I have now? You know, and I, what meaning can I derive out of this? And that made me go back to school at that time. And it made gave me a a drive that I didn't have before. It changed the affirmation that I have that I was dumb. I wasn't smart enough to, Joel, you're a genius. And Joel, you can do this. And all these different things. And it really helped me go through school because I had this bigger vision of creating a center for him. I also want to say that during that time, my sabbatical, I also had a lot of time to think about my life. And about my own limited belief system, whether it was the limiting belief systems about money, that I had to work so hard to create money, that everything had to be challenging. At the time, we had five different businesses. Uh, everything was challenging because we were doing so many things, we didn't have balance in life. I started to look at some of the questions that you asked, for example, in episode 187, where you started looking at, uh, do you like yourself? And really reflecting on the fact that I couldn't even take compliments from other people. You know, I would uh, kind of sidetrack and, and say something else nice about them. And I, and I love the fact that you talk about that in that episode. And I think that's valuable for people who are listening. If you haven't heard it, you know, check that episode number 187. Because for me, it was almost like a rebirth of who I was at my core. The stories that I had been telling myself, my limiting belief systems, everything. I had an opportunity to just scrape them off and just redefine who I wanted to be and the life that I wanted to create.
1: Oh, and I'm man. just going to add there yep. that that it really was it was a an identity shift for us both as individuals and the way that we saw our business and our life because we were truly burning out. And when, he wasn't joking when he says it's like okay, well, if doing this and working hard makes money and you're not making enough that means you have to do more of it in order to bring in more so that was ultimately the philosophy of our business and then at a personal level it was that that you know this accomplishment was all that mattered and we had lost sight of really who we were and we were just burnt out but what's so interesting a lot of people are surprised by that that we can both say we we found happiness during this this situation for the first time in our lives we've truly found happiness because we we ultimately had to take our own medicine here we were you know people who taught personal development um, and but we had to apply it at a whole other level than we had ever had to do it before and and we found a way to be able to be in a state of joy and gratitude and appreciation even in the worst possible scenarios even when we're in the hospital and joelle's body is having a fit and we're sitting there smiling and giggling and the doctors think that were completely mental, but the truth is that we just realized that the only way to be happy is to choose to be, and that that if anything, like you said, that was our backpack moment, that we didn't have to have the struggle, we didn't have to experience the suffering, it was a choice, and that if it was all worth it just for that realization.
0: Mm, that's, again, that's very powerful. Another backpack moment, guys. You're getting a lot of them here. You know what? I think I'm going to charge for this episode. <laughs> I'm going to put the, uh, uh, the the limitation on it. If you don't listen to it in the first week, it's going to cost you $297. <laughs> there it is. a little scarcity. Um, <laughs> I'm pausing for a second because I want to jump around a bit here. Let's see. What would you? Th- what do you think are the consequences for people if they don't embrace digital technology? They just keep resisting it.
2: Well, if you look at the M- McKinsey report and some of the other reports from like Harvard, by twenty thirty, thirty to fifty percent of jobs will be displaced because of automation, because of AI, because of robotics. Uh, it's coming. It's it's real. It's here. Um, and I think most people don't realize how advanced it is, and. I think that you have to embrace a different economy, and this is an exciting economy—an economy that you can create passive income. For example, we have a, a colleague that she teaches how to bake bread, and she started doing it because of pain in her own life and some struggles that she had. And she's not a professional baker, and she started making our courses about specific breads. and Last year, she brought in three hundred thousand um, dollars. So I think that we are going to we are in the uh, cusp of this revolution of the job market and you have to embrace the new economy because like you mentioned before, I think that your intro to this podcast was brilliant uh, because you're either going to die with the dinosaurs or you're going to thrive. And this is a big opportunity to not only make a, create a legacy, make an impact around the world, but also embrace that you have something so beautiful to give and that you can Create abundance through giving that thing that you have.
1: Yeah, the new economy opens up all of the doors to be able to, it doesn't matter what it is that you love or what you're an expert in or what skill you have, that you can use that one way or another to generate an income for yourself. And the opportunities for that are going to continue to expand. And of course, because... We are in the online course world, we're always trying to convince people, hey, if you have anything possibly that anyone would want to learn, you should be teaching it online. But there's so many other ways to do it. One of the fields that's going to grow also, we work with a lot of life coaches. We teach people how to be life coaches or consultants based on their expertise. And that that is going to be an industry that's going to explode. So while there's a lot of industries that are going to be disrupted with this new economy, service-based industries are going to increase dramatically, especially the heart-centered kind, where you're trying to, you know, help people at a personal level, that that type of service is going to explode. Education is going to explode. Because of those people being displaced, they're going to need to learn a new skill or a new trade or how to use their skills in a different way. People are going to need to start reassessing their identity and a lot of people's identity are wrapped up in their career but if their career or their industry changes, the beautiful thing and this is the part I like talking about it's not just that there's opportunity and that technology is part of what brings it there it's that this entire shift that's going to happen the bigger picture that that bigger story that you were saying is always there is that because our our expectations of what life's supposed to look like and what a career is supposed to be and what our identity is based around is going to shift so dramatically. It's going to have us all look within. It's going to push humanity, even those stubborn ones that are still like the dinosaurs, are going to have to reflect. They're going to have to spend more time with themselves. If they're unemployed or underemployed, they're going to have more free time. They're going to have that time to be thinking and asking life's greatest questions. It's going to lead to an awakening of humanity. And so that's the promised land that I see coming. And so to answer your question that the technology is part of it, pay attention to what's happening but even more so, just be open to the fact that change is okay and it, in fact it's it's wonderful and that the future for humanity is better than anything we've ever seen before.
0: I totally agree with you. I mean, uh, and um, I would add to that uh, really what I learned from T. Harv Eker, all pain comes from resistance. All pain comes from resistance. So the moment you stop resisting it and realize technology is my friend and so what if my career disappears you say, what do you mean? Well, So what if it disappears because you don't have to go to school anymore and pay for a higher education what do you love to do and how can you get it into the hands of the people who would also love to do it and appreciate what you're offering them and then you could study with Joel and Natalie and I'll show you exactly how to do that. It's just a beautiful thing. By the way, uh, Joel, thank you for uh, your compliment and I do receive compliments now I I had to practice that, but uh, when you said that, that my opening was brilliant, I I want to give credit that that opening is from Peter Diamandis's book Bold: How to Go Big, Create Wealth and Impact the World. I just changed a the few of the words. That was it. But I just, I love what you guys just contributed.
2: When I love that Peter Diamantis Mm -hmm. talks about the rising billion, um, because I think it's in the next five years or less than that.
1: When it keeps changing how many, but I think it's multiple billion now.
2: Yeah, it's growing exponentially that you're going to have over a billion people hopping online, and the first thing that they look for is education. Actually, education by 2030 is going to increase by 150%. Only 30% of our students are from the United States.
0: Well, I love that you said that because what I would add, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, when Joel says education, if anybody has the story in their head, well, I'm not a teacher. Yes, you are. We're not talking about a the old vision of a teacher who has a labels after their name, PhD, MA, etc. No, if you have something that you understand and love and can communicate that to somebody you're a teacher. Am I correct?
2: That's correct. We all have experiences in our lives that we've been through, uh, challenges that we've overcome that we can teach people, a skill set, a passion. It it doesn't have to be. I come from an academic background. Some of the things that I teach are non-academic. And most of the people that I see are thriving in this industry are non-academic courses because our educational system is being revolutionized right now. It's being democratized right now where people just want to learn something new. So if you're good at just, uh, for example, like baking, like I mentioned before, you can touch people all over the world and people can follow your passion. If you're good at knitting, you can make over six figures, if not much more, teaching people how to knit. So whatever passion you have, whatever drive you have, whatever challenge you've overcome, whether it's a divorce and you want to teach people how to overcome their divorce of what you learn, there's people out there hungry to learn
1: from it. And that's what what, it, what we love about it. Um, we're advocates for the democratization of education. So it's a big word, but that ultimately all it means is that worldwide we are no longer limited only to receive advanced education through an academic institution, which at this point not only are they way overpriced um, and are they old news because most of what they're teaching is old, what we need now is access directly to the people who are experts in their specific topic. So these are people who work in a specific field. Like you can learn in your own career from someone who's been in it for 20 years that can save you 20 years of learning just by them teaching you what they know. Um, You can go direct to the source instead of having to go through some professor at a university that's going to teach you from a textbook that's based on old information. So not only can you work with any person that you want to, whether you're the teacher or the learner, but you also get access to new information, the most relevant. Whatever is happening right now, by the time some new technology comes out within a week, there's someone who creates a course on how to use it. So um, it's we're really helping people shift away from their expectation that education means through a school because now it's education is available anywhere, from anyone in the world, at any time, on any topic.
0: What I love about that is, too, that some of the people listening should recognize that they could be the ones teaching the professors, because the professors are basically institutions that are dinosaurs, and they're going to have to reinvent or disappear. That's correct. That's true. those, Those people, listen, I know a kid who is an online marketer who was from the hood who did jail time and he said to me the other day it blows my mind that some of my clients are medical doctors lawyers right i mean it's <laughs> he's teaching them right now how to advance their businesses he doesn't and know. you
1: can learn anything from anyone that's and right. that's really that's that right. you know that whether it's the homeless person on the corner or the, the dean of a big university, each one of those people has something unique that they could teach you if you're willing to look.
0: Absolutely.
2: And your ability really to, to connect to people, for example, we have uh, a group of ladies that bought one of our courses in the Philippines, and then they're sending us pictures of how they're implementing it in the Philippines. And they bought the course for, I think it was like $15, uh, that particular course, But for them, you know, $15 is a lot of money. So everyone, you know, these five ladies gave some money and they bought it. And it's beautiful to see. We had somebody in Syria that contacted us I said, you know, everything that's happening here, war-torn country, I took your happiness courses. I want to implement that happiness in my community. So it's the reality that you can plant seeds all over the world, make a difference, and at the same time – be very successful economically. Uh, for example, I was a, a college professor and through online courses, I can make the same thing that I made in a year, one month, just through passive income through online courses.
0: And, and, and I'm
2: making a bigger impact than I was before.
0: And Joel, here's what's important. I taught in university and here's the beauty of it. Now you don't have to deal with the toxic environment of the bureaucracy of the university.
2: That's correct. <laughs> no, listen. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: I can say that because I've worked in three of them, and I know that wherever you have a bureaucracy, it's the same poison.
1: It is poison, and it's also a giant limitation because awesome. all it does is slows down people's access to what they need. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's one of the, the biggest points that we that we want to point out not just because people can be teaching and making a business out of this, but if you have no interest in doing anything like that, you can also be a, a student. And that one of the things that is unfortunate is that because of the way our, our academic system um, ultimately turns people off from learning, that, that statistically almost nobody even reads a book after they finish college. And only, you know, a few percentage of people who buy a book or buy an online course, actually read it or take the course um, because we're, we're not trained to be lifelong learners, but the people who are lifelong learners, like our students they're they're like rabid for it. We have people who've enrolled in dozens of our courses, if not all of them uh, because they're, they're addicted to learning. And I think that, that one of the things that people need to hear is that if you want this, this vision that we're painting of this beautiful future and you don't want to be one of the dinosaurs and, and you want to experience the beauty that's coming, the number one thing that you have to learn how to do other than deal with uncertainty is you have to learn how to learn. Um, and really, it comes down to having a growth mindset that the belief system that says, I might not know how to do this, but I can learn how, or I might not be good at this, but I can get better, or I don't know, um, for instance, how to make an online course and teach what I know, but there's people out there like Joel and Natalie that teach you how to do that and I can do the research and find the resources and just become resourceful because if people who stay in a fixed mindset that say I just am who I am. Life has always been this way. It should continue to be the same way. Why would we change it if it was working before? I don't like this new technology. I don't want to have to change who I am. I like who I am. And I, I'm an old dog. I can't learn new tricks. And I, you know, this is just who I am. I, I'm not capable of changing. That mindset is going to be what ultimately holds people back. So if you're open, if you think about growth, if you're willing to learn, then you can ride this wave that's coming.
2: And I would say, Lou, is that... Your audience is that, because obviously what you're providing is that space to really help people change their story and change their lives. So if if you're listening right now, you are that person. That's at your core, That's who you are.
0: That's wonderful. By the way, that fifteen dollars course you spoke was that on U- on Udemy?
1: Yeah, the one with the women from the yeah. Philippines. Okay. Yeah. it was it was at one of our courses on Udemy. Right. Um, and we actually we we love we love your podcast because ultimately at the core of everything that we teach we're always trying to tell people that it's it's their story that creates their life um in fact that's one of our favorite quotes is by anthony robbins um and he says that it's our decision that determines our destiny but that decision comes from whatever story we're telling so it's like the story is the precursor to the decision. Well, whatever we have going on in our mind and our belief systems is what causes us to make the decisions we make in life. And then that's what creates our life. And so even though sometimes we use different wording, we're constantly um, pushing that message, even though we might say, you know, something more about your thoughts or your beliefs, it really comes down to how do we put it together as a story?
0: Um, I absolutely um, am in total alignment with that. And One of the things that you made me think of here is that uh, the book I mentioned to you before is really relevant for me to mention right now for everybody. It's The Big Leap, because as much as I understand about story and its influence on our lives and how it shapes our lives, I started reading this book, and oh boy, it's going to take you to a whole other level. It's The Big Leap, and the, the, the author is Gay Hendricks, H-E-N-D-R-I-C-K-S. Okay, now I would like to know what each of your favorite books is, one each.
2: Um, for me, I'm going to rewind one of the books that really made an impact in my life uh, uh, when I was first, first starting this transformational process was Victor Frankl's uh, A Man's Search for Meaning. And I, I know one of his quotes is uh, that everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last human freedom is to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. And for me, that book was so impactful because at the time I had lost my brother. I found myself you know, in a, in a darker place. And I was looking at their journey of Holocaust survivors and being in these concentration camps, and the fact that even in that dire worst-case situation, they could find joy, they can find happiness, they can find how they can contribute to the life of each other. And that really set the foundation in my life to, to really be able to reframe my journey and my story that I was telling myself in every circumstance and to make the best out of every challenge. Thank and you. so Go
0: ahead, yeah. Thank you for that. I, that is a very important book. Yes, and yes. Go ahead,
1: Natalie. And actually, I, I recently uh, reread Victor Frankel's book, um, and it's interesting how much, at a deeper level, I understood it. You know, now that I'm approaching forty versus when I read it for the first time when I was um, ultimately still a teenager. So um, I would say that that for me, because my life is put together. Two pieces of the puzzle being personal development and entrepreneurship. I have two books. Um, And the first, my personal development side um, was really triggered by Eckhart Tolle and The Power of Now, which I read when I was very young. I think I was 18 or 19. um, And I think his way of presenting what a lot of people might consider woo-woo content is actually quite digestible. um, And it really, really trained me. I actually listened to the audio version of it a couple dozen times over about a five-year period. So I basically got programmed into my brain and it really set the foundation of me understanding exactly what we're talking about here, which is that our thoughts are what create a reality and that we are not our thoughts, which is the key thing most people don't understand, and that we can calm ourselves and then be able to take back control of that you know, crazy little hamster that runs on the wheel in our head and it really imprinted on me and and so I've always carried that with me uh, for the last 20 years and then on a business level I read a bazillion different business books but the one that really, really kind of pushed me to finally embrace that the only thing I was truly afraid of was being trapped living in a cell, um, I mean uh, office (laughs) and that was the four-hour work week which I think is so funny because, like, so many people say it. It's almost cliche at this point. But I, I just un- I understood that I have control over my life and my time by reading that book. Well,
0: if anybody says that book is cliche, my question to them is how many hours a week do you work? <laughs> and how many hours of your week do you really feel free? Yep. You know, because I don't think they're going to come up too. With a very big number on each. That's for most people. Those are wonderful, wonderful books. And do you have any quotes that stand out for you?
1: Um, actually, we we uh, had a couple of favorites, and we we already said them. I've definitely um, there's so many that I would say, especially from Viktor Frankl, that just looking up his quotes and remembering when you're reading them that he was in the middle of a concentration camp while he was having these thoughts. um, I just think it it puts life in perspective. And that's really, it was his story that he told of himself that, and the recognition that no matter what was happening around him, that he had the ability to choose his perspective or or what he called his attitude. And that it is really hard to do that. You know, we're not saying that while in the midst of Joel's illness that we were um, constantly in this great state of happiness, we, we had to cultivate it. We had to choose it. And it was, it was because of learning the things that people like Viktor Frankl taught um, and having the perspective of saying, you know, if he can find hope, then so can we. And
2: I would say one of my favorite quotes is by Les Brown, which uh, he has so many quotes as well. So if you want to look him up, but it's really that your dream was given to you. If someone else can't see it for you, that's fine. It was given to you and not them. It is your dream. Hold it. Nourish it. Cultivate it. And for me, there's so much insights that he can share about really owning your path, your story, your journey.
1: And actually, I'm going to add to that because another Les Brown quote that I love, um, and I'm going to butcher this because it's a long one. I'm not going to say the whole thing, but that he ultimately says to imagine yourself on your deathbed and you're surrounded by the ghosts of all the dreams that you never fulfilled all of the talents you never used all of the desires you never fulfilled all of the things you wanted to say that you never said and they're staring at you with like and he says angry eyes because because of you they're never going to get to come into this world because you didn't bring them forward and and that even though it sounds kind of you know dark but I just—it's like a wake-up call, and that was one of the the things that we used to listen to a lot when Joel was sick. Is that mm-hmm. is that we don't we don't want to get to the end of our life and be filled with regret. And I think that that's the only the only fear ultimately I have in life is not living life fully, and it, it drives me crazy if I feel like I'm I'm stagnant or things aren't moving forward quickly. Um, it drives me crazy because. I know that there's so much. It's like we have one life. I mean, someone might debate that at a philosophical level or a religious level, but we have one life that we get to know and experience right now, and it's only one, and it's it's finite. We don't know how long it's going to be, so, so we should be running like fire to try to get it all in. Um, and so that's really the philosophy we live by.
0: Beautiful. And if you could change just one thing in the world, what would it be? It is just one, just a brief statement on that.
2: I would change people's perception about what's possible.
0: Hmm. You don't even so have they, to say anymore because yeah. you've already your whole converse, The whole conversation today has been about that. That's beautiful. And how about you, uh, Natalie?
1: Um, I would just say it in a different way, and it's, I would, I would again change what's in the mind of people for them to change the way they see themselves. Hmm. So it's not just what's possible in some future sense, it's their perspective of themselves and ultimately not just that they see themselves in positive light, but that they see that they're the ones that are in control of their own destiny.
0: Beautiful. How can people contact you?
1: Um, and so the best spot to check out, which we can you know, put our information and in anything that we discussed in this Um, interview is onlinecourserevolution.com slash change because that is, after all, what this entire conversation is about.
0: Onlinecourserevolution.com forward slash change. Correct. Beautiful. And any final thoughts for the storytellers today?
2: Well, my last thought is to remember again that life is happening for you and that you always have the opportunity to choose what you do with what's presented in your life. You have the opportunity to perceive it the way that you want to. You can see things as something negative or you can see it as an opportunity. You can see it as a challenge or you can see it as an opportunity for growth. That you can create whatever life that you want. All you have to do is be clear of what you want. I think that that's where some people have the challenge that they're not clear enough. And once you have clarity of what you want to create, put it around you, put it in your wall, put pictures, put statements, anything that will help remind you of that vision that you want to create. And visualize it. Take some time to really see it in your mind because if you can see it in your
1: mind, you can create it in your reality. And I would add to that, that the reason why people aren't clear is because they don't give their permission to want what they really want because they're listening to all the limitations that everybody else has placed on them. And so one of the things that I love to remind people of specifically related to their story is that sometimes there's things that happen in our lives that we don't have control of. Even at some level we did influence it. There are things that we just can't explain. Terrible things can happen. We can lose people in our lives our, the economy can change around us, but whatever it is that's happening around us, it doesn't it doesn't completely matter because we still have a choice even within that situation. So I always remember, remind people that they're the ones that are holding the pen to write their story and that in a lot of cases, the problems that they're having in their life is because they're allowing other people to take that pen and write with it. So take back the pen from whoever it else that you're allowing to write into your story and and take it back, and own it, and claim it. And that remember that no matter what's happening around you, you still get to write your attitude, you get to write your reaction, you get to write your perspective, you get to write your hope and your dreams of the future, and you can even be writing the, the next chapters just in your imagination, and life will eventually line up with whatever you create, but only if you're the one who's writing it, and you're not allowing everyone else's opinions to be forcing your hand.
0: That is so 100% true, and I'm going to add to that, that if you get the big leap, what you'll discover is that the moment you start saying the things that Natalie already believes in her heart to yourself, that you're going to get talk back from your monkey mind that's going to tell you, nah, this is really just hokey, it's woo-woo. It's new age stuff, and the book will show you how to jump over the hurdles of the talkback so that you can step into the truth that she's talking about, that Joel is talking about. Uh, I can't thank you enough, but you guys have created um, a ripple here that is going to start very gently, but I think will turn into a tsunami when it hits people. Thank you.
2: Well, thank you, Lewis, for uh, having us on. It, we really truly are honored. And uh, we thank you for what you do to plant seeds of change for people, I'm sure, all over the world as well. And for creating that space for growth and really helping people uh, look at their story, change their story, and really dedicating your time and really committing yourself to to, to Allowing this to happen for other people and giving us a space to share our story.
1: So, thank you very much. Yes, and Absolutely We are 100% behind what you're doing and we love all of the guests um, and just want to Point out that it's it's not just about people telling their stories, but that you're a great storyteller We love listening to you. um, And so you're bringing your own expertise of story from the other angle Um, into it. And we just we love the dynamic of it. And we are just blessed to be able to have a platform like this to share our story.
0: Thank you so much. And by all means, let people know about the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you, storytellers for being part of this experience today. Enrich others by letting them know that they can hear this too on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, and at the website com. At the website, you will find a free gift that I've created for you, a downloadable ebook called Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and Business. You can get instant access to it right now by going to Change your story and downloading your free copy. Also, take advantage of the gift that our sponsor Audible is offering to the listeners of this show that is a free audiobook of your choice, and you get to choose from more than 180,000 titles. Simply go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. In the spirit of giving, I'm going to ask you to give me a few more moments of your time by going to iTunes and in the podcast category finding Change Your Story, Change Your Life. And where you see that you can leave a brief review and a star rating, in the review, just state what your biggest takeaway was from today's episode. And I hope that I've earned a five-star rating from you. When you do that, you're telling iTunes to allow the show to climb the ranks. Then more people will find it and be able to enjoy it. If you haven't already subscribed to the show and you're getting value from it, then subscribe while you're visiting iTunes. One final thought. Whenever you find yourself facing a decision that's hard to make, stop. Don't let your mind work hard. Just take a deep breath, and then ask, How can I change my story and change my life? then pause for a moment and allow the answer to come to you. I look forward to sharing another enriching experience with you on the next episode. Tune in to the next episode of Luis Bianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.